Yeah, I would say first and foremost, be kind to yourself. Uh, it's often difficult for us to be to give ourselves to show ourselves the same kindness and compassion that it comes easily to us to show loved ones to show other people, even sometimes strangers, we, we can summon up incredible compassion for that, for other people. And for some reason, it's easy for us to get blocked in, in giving that same kindness and compassion to ourselves. I think that's where you have to start. You have to give yourself, uh, you have to be gentle and kind and compassionate with yourself. So that, that would be like my absolute first step. Um, and, and just know that, uh, have faith in yourself, in, in life, that whatever you're going through is temporary. Everything we experience, everything is temporary, and you will get through it. So, so keep persevering and do it with a lot of love and self-love. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, 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 again. Hey, it's that time again. What time is it? That time again for us to get fired up, motivated, inspired, to get some encouragement. So we can use all this stuff to help the next person in line that is suffering and needs some help, need some guidance to be able to fulfill their life better than they expected. Today, we're going to talk to a gentleman here. Boy, this is going to be fun. Boy, fun because he used to live right outside my door. Well, not really outside my door, but close enough. He used to live in Nashville, right outside where I lived. All right. He had a music career in Nashville. He also backpacked over 500 miles in the Appalachian Trail, volunteered at a hospital, completing Ironman triathlon after his third attempt. Talk about some perseverance there. And he finally, this is probably the hardest one I bet you, and he's, he had to, uh, to be able to work hard to sustain, married his love of his life, Samantha. Now, there you go. I bet you that was the hardest one to complete right there. Today, we're going to talk about how to fulfill your life and persevere to have, you know, a meaningful life to be able to get through it. No, the, on the other side of this, what I say, the other side of the, the um, oh, come on, the light at the end of the tunnel, when you know that a train is not coming, that you made it through, life is going to be beautiful. All right, Eric. Come to the show. Welcome here, Eric Teplitz. Hi, James. It's an honor to be here. Oh, no. Thank you again for sharing your time. I like to tell people sharing their time. I mean, getting your inspiration, getting your knowledge, getting your your benefits to help other people. That's one thing. But, you know, people's time is, is valuable for a lot of people. And I appreciate you sharing this time with us. My pleasure. All right, Eric. Now, again. Right outside my doorstep almost, a big music career. Now, hearing other people, just like most things, you've got to work on certain things to be able to get to where you're at. And you know as well as I do, not everybody that sings is going to make it into Nashville or wherever they're at. I mean, not to say they're not good singers, but for whatever reason, they don't make it. 
you know, for me, you know, I can say for people that are motivational, inspirational speakers, there's a bunch of people out there, but not a people, not everybody makes the Zig Ziglar or mm -hmm. whoever else, you know, from there. So we're going to talk a little bit about this and how you persevere to be able to do that. And we'll get to, into, again, some more of this triathlon stuff, too. Yeah. All right. Where would you like to start? Well, let's go and start with the, uh, you know, you got it listed first over there with the Nashville music career. And let's uh, go from there. Sure. You know, you mentioned that there are talented people. I mean, talented people are a dime a dozen, really. I mean, there's so many talented people out in the world outside of Nashville, just anywhere, let alone within the confines of Music City, right? And one of the maybe most painful lessons I learned during my time in Nashville was exactly what you said, that talent alone, not only talent alone, but talent and hard work and perseverance and all the things that we're taught growing up, we need to succeed, won't necessarily guarantee success. And I very much sort of bought the, the story that I grew up, I suppose, hearing, which is, which is that, you know, if you just work hard enough at something, I didn't think that necessarily I was, you know, the most talented musician that ever was certainly, uh, <laughs> living in Nashville, there's such an abundance of hugely talented people. So I didn't have illusions about, you know, being some kind of like wonderkind or anything. Uh, but I really did believe that I was good enough that if I literally just gave it everything that I had, put everything, all of myself into it and refused to give up, I did believe that I would succeed, not necessarily like on this huge, rich and famous type level, although I very much would have welcomed that at the time. But I just felt like if I keep at this, I know from my experience performing in front of people and the the, the reception that I would get, I knew that I was good enough that... I could keep an audience's attention and entertain them and have a blast myself. And I just thought, I can't think of a better way to make a living than this. This is, it's the thing that I love the most. And so I was really determined and, you know, to make a very long story, slightly less long, I moved to Nashville. At first I was still in college. So I grew up in Philadelphia and I went to school at Penn state for college. And when I was a junior and I always knew, though, you know, growing up, music was my passion. It was the only thing I was really wanted to do. I kind of was at, you know, went to college to appease my my parents. They, they insisted you have to get a college degree. We don't even care what it's in; just get a college degree. <laughs> so I was, I was, you know, doing that. But I had my mind on on music, and specifically, I wanted to be a singer songwriter. And so, while in college, I really kind of honed my craft just by. Everywhere I went, I would have my guitar with me and I would, if I wrote a new song, I would literally like go floor by floor in the dorm and just play it for people and just put on spontaneous concerts and, um, you know, and get feedback. And, and it was a great kind of, uh, environment to, uh, you know, practice my craft in, but when, when I was a junior, I, I decided I really wanted to kind of step, you know, uh, step a level up and I explored the idea of living in a real music centric place. And the three hubs for the music business back then were New York, LA and Nashville. 
And for whatever reason, Nashville is what drew me, even though I, I wasn't doing country music per se specifically, but Nashville was kind of, there was this in the air, there was this buzz about Nashville as being like the next Mecca for not just country music, but that it was drawing people from New York and LA as well. And people that weren't necessarily country musicians. And it was attracting songwriters of all stripes and, you know, uh, musicians of all genres. So, you know, I played more or less what you might call folk rock, uh, you know, acoustic guitar driven, um, songs, but I, I love so many different styles of music that at all, all those influences seeped in anyway. So I spent, uh, as an experiment, I spent the summer in Nashville while I was still in college. I found a grad student at Vanderbilt that was subletting his apartment, uh, looking for a roommate. So I spent the summer of 1993, I'm dating myself here, uh, as an experiment of, you know, in living on my own, um, not in a dorm, you know, but actually on my own really for the first time in my life and doing so in a music environment because Nashville was just endless opportunities, open mic nights, writers nights to perform in front of people, meet other songwriters and be inspired by just sort of swimming in the musical soup as it, as it were. So I spent the summer there and I had an amazing, amazing time. I met some, fellow songwriters that to this fr to this day are still dear friends of mine. And so, but I, I, I still had one more year of college to go and I felt, Oh, I got to just get that over with. And I went back kind of reluctantly, but I finished up my, my degree. And then one of my songwriter friends that I had met in Nashville that previous summer said, Hey, you know, I have an extra bedroom available in the apartment. If you want to come down and move in, it's yours. And I jumped on it. And I spent the next three years of my life, you know, really working the music thing um, as hard as I could. Well, and, you know, what you were saying earlier is the hard work, determination, the want, the drive and the talent that you have may not necessarily get you where you want. Because look how many, like you said, come a dime a dozen with the uh, music business. Same thing with athletes, right? How many sure. people oh, yeah. make it pro you know, they say less than 1% of all the uh, athletes would make it. And so, yeah, what, you know, yeah. you, and, you put all this into it. It's still no guarantee. Right. And I wasn't naive about that. It's not like I, you know, I mean, I was well aware that the odds were, you know, stacked against me, but when you love something, when you're just so passionate about it, it's, it's your joy, it's your love. It's the thing that drives you that it's, it gives you meaning and purpose I didn't care. Like, I didn't care that the odds were what they are. I had to do it. I had to, you know, I, I felt like, you know, this is absolutely, it's, it's the only thing I want to do. So, um, I, that the next three years of my life in Nashville were among the most growth filled years of my entire life, not just musically speaking, but just in every way. Uh, I was learning to be an adult. You know, I was uh, living on my own. I was learning who I was and and how to be in the world. But also there was an endless amount of musical inspiration around me. And this is a very long story just with the music. And I don't want to go too deep in, but certainly people can read about it on my blog if they're interested in, in all the gory details. But I think the, the, the driving point is that I spent three years hustling. I mean, kind of like, um, uh, on all firing on all cylinders, right. For three years straight. And this is of course, 
I had been building up to this. I had been working on music for many years prior to that. But the bottom line is I reached a point where um, I it's rejection is a funny thing because it's, it's all part of the process. I think in any creative endeavor, when you put your creative work out in the world, you whether you're an actor or a writer or a musician, any kind of creative person, creative artist, um, rejection is the norm. And I actually had a pretty healthy attitude towards rejection because all of my musical heroes had been rejected endlessly before they became well-known. And so I felt like I was earning my badges of honor with each rejection that I got, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but rejection is a, it's a curious thing because you think you're building up a thick skin and maybe in some ways I was, but it's not like something you can just turn on and off. Like um, now I'm in business mode, so I'm not, I'm going to be impervious to rejection when I'm in artist mode. I'm, you know, I'm sensitive and whatnot, but, but when I'm promoting my, you know, and so, but what I found is that the cumulative toll of rejections and also disappointments, you know, the rejections weren't always necessarily personal rejections, but just disappointments of things not working out after you, you worked really hard, uh, you know, putting all of yourself into it. And um, I was really just not, I think, developed enough as a human being to withstand that. And, um, the, you know, I, I basically, I, I made an album. I, I was rejected by like 75, literally 75 different record companies and decided I really want to make an album anyway. I'll do it myself. So I financed it myself. I recorded it myself. And then I started my own label to attempt to get it out into the world. And I did it all. Like I just tried to do everything myself. Uh, I wasn't averse to having help and support from people in the business. Certainly I would have welcomed that, but I wasn't going to wait, sit around and wait for it. I was very impatient. So I basically became a one man singer, songwriter, guitarist, slash record company, slash manager, slash booking agent. I did it all. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I had, you know, I actually had some minor successes. I mean, um, but ultimately the the results that I got from my efforts were so unbelievably poor and and so uh less than what I expected that I found myself just knocked down hard. I was really like I I I never had any intention to do anything else or to stop pursuing music, but I was so knocked down. And so honestly, I was just in, uh, my mental health was just a wreck. I was, I was deeply, deeply depressed and could barely, you know, uh, could barely get out of bed at at one point. Well, this this is a point, this is a point that reminds me that uh, if you watch, uh, I don't care what what sport you're watching. If you see a team that's put so much energy, effort, emotions into a game, how many times do you see them do that? And win or not, they may win, may lose, but they put so much into that one focus in that one game. The very next game, they stink it up bad. Because they put, <laughs> right, they they've put, exhausted they, themselves. Yeah, exactly. And, and this is what it sounds like to me, that you did everything to try to be so successful with yeah. all the management, with all the publicity, with all the doing, everything for yourself, like said, your own record label, everything you put, and especially when you put the emotions all involved. And then, like you said, you get very little rewards. It's hard to come back uh, from that. 
Not say you can't. Yeah, no, it's interesting how people handle these things differently. Um, but, you know, for better or, and or worse, um, it blindsided me. I was in, you know, I was about 25 by this point and um, I was really a wreck. I just, <laughs> so um, essentially what I ended up doing out of total desperation I was on a, I remember being on the phone with my mom back you know, in Philadelphia and she, she could hear in my voice how just, you know, uh, exhausted I, I was and, and how depressed I was. And she said, why don't you just come home? Now, if you knew me then, uh, you would know that that would have normally been, uh, I would have laughed hearing that like that would have been the most unacceptable like oh that's my mom how sweet but yeah no <laughs> like that yeah, that would yeah. have been to me for me that would have been the ultimate concession of defeat and you know uh and but it was a testament to the state that i was in that i couldn't think of a better option i was in such a desperate state so i said okay and i did and um and that time of my life the next couple of years was just um, immensely difficult emotionally because I was processing, you know, having thrown myself into my dream and it was really the only vision that I had for my life and, and it hadn't worked out. And what was even more disturbing to me was I had lost the desire to do it. I, I, I just didn't, I felt like I didn't have anything left to give to it. It was really difficult to accept that because it was my, you know, it was it was sort of my mission in life, or at least my self-determined mission in life. And, you know, I hear stories like your story about people who endure, you know, what I consider real tragedies. Uh, certainly when I thought about what had happened to me, I felt, you know, I kind of beat myself up about it and said, well, what's the big deal? Nothing terrible happened. You know, you didn't, you know, you didn't like you know, you didn't lose anybody that you love. You didn't, you know, like permanently hurt yourself physically, like, you know. Um, and so I couldn't even understand my own feelings as to why I was taking it so hard. And so mm -hmm. it's interesting that, you know, you, you know, you obviously endured this paralysis. And I think of my experience as a psychological paralysis at the time, because I was left completely lost by this, you know, and, but I had brought it all on myself. It's not like anyone was making me do this. I was doing this of my own accord. So it was a really difficult thing psychologically for me to deal with the disappointment, but also to deal with this loss of my, my lifelong dream and my whole sense of self and my whole sense of identity. And the journey that I've been on ever since this is, you know, I'm 49 now, so it's quite a bit, quite a bit of time has gone by. And the twists and turns that my life have taken since then, I never, ever could possibly have imagined the kind of things that I would be doing. And I think that when I look back, it makes me want to, you know, if anyone is listening and identifies with this in any way, and it doesn't have to be the specifics of chasing a dream to be a musician per se, but I think that it's something, if you've given your heart and soul to something and it hasn't worked out, for whatever reason, um, you know, my, the message that I want to convey with my life 
is that there's so much more available and possible for you. You can't see it if you're in the depths of despair and if you're, you know, uh, if you're recently traumatized, especially, or even this, this, this psychological trauma can go on for years and years and years. You might not be able to imagine, um, like I, for me, I couldn't imagine ever being happy with myself any other way. It, it sounds ridiculous, but, um, I had to learn through so many different experiences uh, and explorations that it was possible for me to find other ways to be in the world, that my identity didn't have to be such a limited, narrow thing where everything depended on one thing working out, because that's a recipe you know, for disaster, because there's so much in life that's out of our control. We, you know, you can't, you can't as much as we'd like to assert our will on things. And I think there definitely is a place for utilizing your, um, your agency and your will. But the fact of the matter is, is that you don't have the whole say. And if you, if we haven't learned this by now, after the last couple of years with COVID literally stopping the world in its tracks, I mean, it couldn't be clearer. We don't have the whole say in this. (laughs) There are other, you know, there are other forces in the world and that are beyond our control and we have to roll with them and we have to adapt and we have to, I think, really kind of just open ourselves up to being different than maybe the idea that we had we uh, of how we were going to be. Hey, and what you were saying a minute ago about um, you didn't go through the physical that I went through or not, but the mental state. And again, so much emotions is attached to this. And I'm like you when you're when you're like a, a, a horse racing, you got them blinders on. Yes. And all you see is that one thing you want to do in life. You're missing out what's all out there. And I was exactly like that with sports, with baseball. I had the blinders on that I was going to be that next Nolan Ryan Mm. or Babe Ruth. I was going to be the next. And again, my injury took that away from me pretty quick. Okay. But yeah, for years I'm going, well, what am I going to do now? Yeah. I'm paralyzed. So were you talking about you weren't paralyzed physically or not? You and I tell this at the end of my thing. You'll hear me say when we get done, I tell people to persevere past their paralysis. That Mm. could be emotionally, physically, spiritually, Mm -hmm. you know, mentally. It's it's, it's not necessarily just being paralyzed physically. It's what is in your way that's preventing you. And you had so much into this that led you to a depression. You didn't know what's coming up next in life. But when you finally woke up, and realize there is more to life than just singing. Hmm. Then what happened from there? Well, that's a great question. And I wouldn't say it's not like one day I woke up and it was like, okay. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> it, no, it didn't no, work no, like that. Yeah. No, no. It, it, it was a it takes very... a, it, It's amazing to me that I've met people, other people paralyzed. Hmm. And for me, I was in a five-year depression yeah. and where I try to hit it from my family and close friends, put on the happy smiley face around them. Uh, but then when I by myself, I'm just so depressed. Okay. Because I hit it so much and I didn't realize how bad it was until I finally got out of it. But then I've met other people that got paralyzed and in 30 days 
they were heading on doing life the best they can. They didn't care. <laughs> I mean, they you were know, going to live it. And so yeah. we're all different. You know, when you say it didn't happen overnight, it may it probably didn't. We're all different, but I, I think the, the you know the point that you bring up there is 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 a good point, but it also is like there's a danger in comparing yourself to other people and really in, in general in any way. But like if you compare, well, this person got over it in 30 days. What's wrong with me? Like that's not helpful. It takes as long as it takes mm-hmm. you. It takes you as long as it takes you. And exactly. you're not that other person. And maybe, you know, th- there could be any number of reasons for why um, we have to process grief the the way that we process it. And there's no timeline. It's not like, it's not like, you know, after 30 days, that does, that's not how it works. I mean, maybe, maybe in some cases for some individuals, but their experience was different. Their background was different. They were a different person than you. And it's not fair to, to you to compare yourself. And by the way, I did this all the time. <laughs> in fact, yeah, when yeah. I was pursuing music, even I was saying, you know, I was saying, I, I was 23 and I was like, you know, started re- to record my album. And I would say, well, you know, when Paul McCartney was 23, he had written yesterday. I mean, this is what we do to ourselves, right? Like we, 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 we have these ridiculous ways of comparing ourselves to like the top of the top, you know, with, with all the stars aligning, <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and we can, we can, we can really do ourselves a disservice by comparing ourselves and having, you know, unrealistic expectations. I'm not saying you shouldn't be ambitious. I'm not saying you shouldn't be the, you know, try to be the best you that you can be. But I'm saying just that, like, you should try to be the best you that you can be, not the best someone else, because they're a different person and you have no idea what they're going through. You have no idea what their, what their path is. Um, you, you know, you have your, your life to live in your path. These are lessons that, you know, it's easy for me to say right now, but like these kinds of lessons really can take quite a long time to internalize and to really, you might understand them intellectually, but to like actually live it and to like, you know, not berate yourself for being less than some ridiculous expectation you might have. One thing that I find really interesting about the subject of perseverance is that, you know, with music, I was trying to persevere and I really believed in that. I really believed if I just like keep persisting and never give up, I'm I'm going to succeed. And I think that that's a, more or less, I think that's generally a healthy attitude to have. I think it's a great attitude to have. But uh, it's not the you, whole thing. Exactly. It, there's so much to play into it. But I think the healthier spot is is to realize, and this is hard for me and hard for a lot of people. You've got to be able to realize when it's time to move on. You said it, and sometimes you know um, I, the way I, I mean, think of you can it hang now, you can hang on this thing for a hundred years and nothing's going to happen. And what did you do? Stay frustrated, aggravated, depressed for a hundred years? That's we, not like you know, that. One, you could potentially do that. Yeah, and one thing that I learned after my injury, after being depressed and everything, was I've I've come to find out we, all of us, we're multi-talented. We don't have to focus on just one thing. We got five, ten thousand things 
that we could pick and choose from to make it even better for us. Hey, Joanne, thank you for coming in, Joanne. Hey, appreciate you showing up. Hey, if you have a question for old Eric, uh, be sure to jump in and, and share with us. But thank you for coming in, Joanne. Hey, yep. So, but we, we're multi-talented. Well, and also there's more opportunities for us than we might be able to see at any given point in time. And, and so sometimes persevering means putting your head down and, and what I call efforting, putting forth just as much effort, 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 effort. But to your point about sometimes the wisdom is knowing when to stop. And, and the way, the way that I frame that now is, you know, there's a time for efforting and then there's a time for accepting. And sometimes all the effort in the world isn't going to change something. And, and sometimes like me, with me, you have to learn that the hard way. It's sort of like mm -hmm. the brick wall metaphor. It's like you get a running start and you run as hard as you can, bam, into the wall. Right. And it hurts. Like your head is bloodied and you're, you know, and if you're like me, you're like, okay, this time I'm going to knock it down. And you get it like a, a longer running start and like, bam, you know, like you hit yeah. it again. And, and, you know, some of some of us have to get a metaphorical, you know, our head beaten to a bloody pulp before we learn the lesson of, oh, you know what? Maybe for maybe perseverance in this case doesn't mean efforting and running into yeah. the wall. Maybe perseverance means redirecting ourselves. Maybe perseverance Take means what you have learned and use that and do something that you can still get what you want. Maybe not exactly, but you can still get what you want. So uh, yeah, you're talking about. No, so I was going to say, I was going to say, you know, you, you, uh, I, I once had this friend, he passed away here not too long ago, but he told me then life that sometimes you got to know when to hold them. <laughs> know when, know to, when fold to fold them. That was my uh, friend, Kenny. <laughs> the irony is that now that's a one of my favorite songs, The Gambler. And the irony is that um, the very first song I ever sang in public was that song. It was the, the, you know made famous by Kenny Rogers, The Gambler. I was in the third grade and we had a, a school assembly. And I didn't, this was well before I ever picked up a guitar and I didn't have any accompaniment. I just loved to sing. So I got up on stage. I don't know <laughs> what the occasion was or how this, how this was coordinated, but I got up in front of the third grade and by myself, I just sang the gambler. And, you know, I was known for that in school. Like I was the guy that did that. <laughs> and um, the irony of the, you know, at that age, I couldn't possibly understand the message of that song. Um, as it applies to life, mm -hmm. knowing when to hold them and when to fold them. That's right. Um, but but th interestingly, when I did move to Nashville, I got a chance to meet Don Schlitz, who's the person who's the, actually the songwriter of The Gambler. People think, as I did growing up, oh, well, that's Kenny Rogers' song. Exactly. Well, he recorded it, but he didn't write it. Don Schlitz, who's a, just a, a wonderful, wonderful songwriter. I got to see him play at the Bluebird in this tiny little, you know, um, unbelievably small venue that attracts the most, you know, kind of well-regarded songwriters in Nashville. And I got to see him perform it and I got to talk to him and tell him about, you know, when I was in the third grade, I sang your song. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the, it's so interesting how that the lesson of that song, you know, it, it, even though I was singing it at, at a very young age, internalizing the lesson of that song took me decades. And, um, 
But once I did, once I opened up to, to other possibilities, and it was like I said, for me, it was a very gradual process. I just started exploring other things. And you, you know, you had said that you can still get what you want. I think that that is true. What what happens is, is that we get attached to it taking a certain form. You know, like we get attached, for instance, let's say we we uh we're attracted to somebody and we think this is the one, this is the person, this is the like, this is my soulmate. And believe me, I went, I had this experience too. Uh, And, you know, maybe your soulmate isn't interested in you, or maybe for whatever reason, your soulmate is otherwise involved or not, you know, available. And you, you know, you can take that and you can, you can say, well, that was my one chance. And now I'm going to live alone and miserable my whole life. And I'll never find love. I guess you could do that if you really wanted to, or what, what's the other choice? You go out and you meet other people and maybe eventually you do find that that r- rich relationship as i did it took me a while but i did and thank goodness i didn't end up with any of the people that i thought i wanted to be with when i was younger <laughs> so, that's right that's right but you can you can there are because basically what we're looking for are things like you know we're looking for contentment we're looking for fulfillment we're looking for aliveness engagement we're looking for love and passion and there's no it's not like there's only one way to experience those things. You might, you might, you know, you might experience those things doing something that you never even thought you'd be interested in. And, and so, like I said, uh, my life took very strange twists and turns and um, I was never an athlete as a kid, but uh, when I, you know, in my thirties, I, I, I was living in Los Angeles and it's a, uh, it's a very health conscious culture out here. And it's also very, because of the climate, uh, people are constantly outside exercising. And so I found myself, it started very small. You know, I bought a mountain bike and would ride my bike to the beach and really enjoyed it. I hadn't ridden my bike, like since I was a teenager delivering newspapers. And from there, I got fascinated by the idea of doing a short distance triathlon. And that's what, and then this sent me on a whole journey of doing crazy endurance sports that mm-hmm. eventually culminated in an Ironman triathlon, which honestly, I would have told you if you had said to me that you're going to do this someday, I would have said, you got the wrong guy. Like that, I am not at all, that, that sounds like torture. I have no interest in that. But, you know, when you start exploring things, you you'll be surprised. Sometimes you you find that you're actually can be interested in something that you never imagined you would have been, and um, that's a whole other conversation. But um, and we we were talking a little bit offline before the show uh, about our experiences, right? Doing races and um, you know. You know, so I started with like a triathlon. Eventually, I did a marathon. I did longer and longer races and t- until I eventually tried to do an Ironman. And then, um, my first Ironman, I came really, really close, but didn't quite finish. It was it was sort of a heartbreaking story. Oh, it was wow. sort of like the first Rocky movie, where like the hero he doesn't win the big fight, but you love him for his for yeah, just yeah. for his heart, you know, for his heart. Uh, I had put my heart into it, and but um, eventually, after two more tries, I did complete one. Um, that's amazing anyway, to me with, with so much is involved. It is, would you swim like two miles or something, three miles? Yeah. And then well, you for, come back for the marathon and then like a hundred miles on the bike, something like that. Of yeah, course, the, again, everything's broken down, like I said, into smaller ones 
compared yeah. to the uh, bigger one. And again, I interviewed one guy, Brandon, in a wheelchair, and he did a triathlon type thing for wheelchairs. And yeah. he did the swimming. And I think the only difference in him pushing the wheelchair was he used two different wheelchairs, one representing the running part, one representing the bike part. And I think he had two different wheelchairs for that. But he said it still took him 16, 18 hours. I think oh, yeah, that's for him to complete that in a wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah, it took me 16 hours to do the Ironman when I finally completed it. Um, and yeah, it's it's like the thing that's so part of what's really appealing about getting into that stuff is there's the physical aspect of training. And it's obviously you you get yourself into great physical shape and you feel good. So it's a very, it's a positive cycle. You exercise, you reap the rewards of feeling good. Your body naturally craves healthier foods and it becomes this really positive cycle. And also you, you build up conditioning and endurance and you can do more than you thought. And so then, then enter the mental aspect of it and the psychological aspect where you have the, these perceptions of what your limitations are. And then you smash them by, by violating those beliefs about what, what the most you can do is. And it's, it's amazing. And you go, I can't believe I did that. I wonder what else I might be able to do, you know, and, and managing the, there's a physical aspect to training for endurance races. And there's also a psychological, a mental aspect to them. And it's, it's endlessly fascinating to me, um, that experience of, proving to yourself that you're capable of things that you, you know, never would have believed. And it, it can be an addictive, a positively addicting, I think. Um, I mean, anything taken to an extreme can be negative, uh, but it can be a very positively, um, you know, uh, pursuit of, you know, accomplishing something and going, wow, like, you know, I wonder what else that I thought would be, was completely impossible for me. I wonder what else I might be able to do. It's very empowering. I think is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It, it's, um, I, I'm all for people competing in something competing, uh, mm-hmm. because you just build so much again, you never know how far you can go until you're tested. You don't know what you can yes. do. You don't know what you can do until you're behind. Uh, do you give up or do you move on? Uh, you yes. never, I mean, there's so much, so much you can learn from sports and I'm it's really so big into team sports. I really mm-hmm. believe in that because you learn to work together. You learn to pull together, fight together, give, you know, give encouragement to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, really big into that. And then when people say, and I'm going to tell you this, when you say you did this Ironman by yourself, no, there was somebody oh, no, there no, no. that <laughs> yeah. supported you. I would never make a claim like that. Yeah, yeah. There, well, how many, how many people you go, well, I mean, I'm not saying Tiger Woods will say this, but with Tiger, he won the tournament. No, Tiger and company. He had a coach to tell him what to do. He had his caddy to, yes. to give my advice. He had his children, his wife supporting him. I mean, it's, I don't care if you're yes. playing tennis, you're the Michael Phelps. You've had a community of people to help you get you where you're at. Absolutely. So it's, I'm, I'm all for sports teaching a lot of life lessons. And I'll tell you, as I mentioned to you before the show started, when I started doing these races, I, I did much shorter distance triathlons. A triathlon just means it's a race where there's three components. There's a swim, a bike, and then a run. And then depending on what those distances distances are, they call the race like it might be a sprint distance or an Olympic distance or 
a half Ironman or a full Ironman, you know, that's all that means is it's the, 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 the length of each, you know, amount of distance for each of those sports. But when I started doing the very first race I did was the Malibu triathlon, which was a more or less modest distance race. It was a half mile swim, but it was in the ocean. That's a big difference from <laughs> uh 18 mile bike, four mile run. And I, you know, I did this for the first time when I was, uh, right around 31. It was around my birthday, around the time I turned 31. And um, I was blown away because at the race, I saw people, I saw this one guy get out of the ocean and put on prosthetic legs, two of them, to then move forward to go into the transition area to get on, to get ready for the bike. And I, I couldn't even believe it. I saw a blind athlete who had someone with him and on the bike, they rode a, a tandem bike so that the sighted person was, you know, basically like guiding, going the way. But the, mm -hmm. the guy, the, the blind guy was pedaling hard behind him. And it just, you know, it just makes you go, oh, my goodness, like the things I tell myself I can't do. And then you see people like this and you see people like yourself, James, like I, I just love seeing someone who's been through something hard because, again, we, we all experience some version of that and they 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 use it transformationally, you know, just because this happened to them, it doesn't mean their life is over. It actually means that there's opportunities for them to be that much more inspiring. And I, I did a, I did a video it's on my website and it's also, you can also find it on YouTube called, um, use everything. And the idea in the video is that we don't choose everything that happens to us. And there are certainly things we would never choose. I'm sure you would never have chosen what happened to you with your accident. But even though we don't choose everything that happens to us, we can find a way, some way to use it, to use it in a productive, positive way. And that is really, that challenge is, is out there for everyone with whatever hardships they might have experienced or be experiencing is, uh, you know, how can I, how can I use this? How can I actually use this to my advantage and to the advantage of other people? And it's well, a great, it, it's a great question to ask yourself. Yeah. And, and I tell other people, you don't have to love what you're going through, but you need <laughs> to, you need to accept it, learn from it, build on it, and then use it to help the next person in life that you know, is struggling to help them get through it as well. We're here to help to each, We're here to help each other. Absolutely. And that is what perseverance is all about, right? You might be persevering in your, in your path towards becoming a professional athlete like you were, and then life knocks you down and says, no, this isn't going to be available to you. And then at that point, perseverance takes on a completely different meaning. Now you have to persevere through this devastating loss that you've experienced, and you have to persevere through feeling maybe hopeless, maybe depressed, feeling a total loss, a loss of your dream, feeling a, a lack of meaning. And then it's about persevering through all of that. And it doesn't, it takes again, as I said before, it takes as long as it takes. There's no, like, you should not, um, you know, beat yourself up about like, about you have to go through it. it the only way they say the only way out is through, right? So you have to persevere through you. Like you said, you might not like it at all, 
you have to persevere through that in order to get to the rewards on the other side. But I can, I can, as, as much as I'm capable of making a promise with, you know, with, with my limited control of the world, <laughs> um, my, my close to as possible promise to you, whoever's listening is that there is something worthwhile on the other end. There, there, there really are, are rich rewards on the other side of that pain and the difficulties. And, you know, uh, and so get whatever support you can to help you through the dark times, through the, the difficult times, because it's going to be worth it, man. If I could go back in time to my 25-year-old self, who was really pretty despondent, I would just say to him, you have no idea how much good stuff awaits you. You have to just get through this. This sucks. It sucks. There's no question. And I know because I was there, I was you, I went through it. <laughs> and you, but, and you, but, you don't know how strong you really are until yes. you get through it. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, you're teaching, you're teaching my ABCs that I tell people, I teach them a to accept the adversity, B begin the battling. That's with your support group. And then C conquer your challenges. So you're teaching my ABCs, brother. I appreciate that. Well, you know, I had to learn it my way. And, um, but now I, I really try to get this, this message out to people. And I have a lot of, you know, ways, like I have a lot of written content. I've been blogging for quite a while. Um, and I have some video content. And I created a course over the, the this past year called Opening to Greater Possibilities. And it really is with this message in mind that, you know, we all, we all have, we all have our, our limited, we all need uh, we, other people. We all need support and we all need inspiration. Um, and we, we need help and we need, you know, um, a model that we can follow and we need hope. We need all of these things. It, they're like oxygen and food and water. We need these things in order to persevere. And, you know, so what I tried to do with this course, for instance, is to show people like, look, none of us can see completely see the forest for the trees. We all have these blinders on, even though we some we might like to think we're open-minded and we might be, but there's always blind spots and there's always things that we can't see. And there's also always opportunities and possibilities for us. And they're, I, I think of it as like they surround us at all times. Like they're always there. And we we just have to have our antenna out and be able to receive those. And it has to like, we can literally be surrounded by these possibilities and never even realize it, never see them, never have any sense of them. So in the course that I that I told you about, I offer all of these different strategies coming at it from a lot of different angles of ways in which you can try to access more of that possibility space that's around you. Uh, just by taking little, small, simple steps in different directions, I think of them as explorations and seeing where they where they lead. And um, and I know from experience, like I couldn't have created the course if I hadn't lived it first. So I know this stuff works. And I just really want to um, do my part to put my own suffering to use in the world by helping other people who may be in a in a position of unhappiness or even despair or even just like you know feeling like lost you know there's there's always more 
to explore in life. And there are always other possibilities and there's always ways in which you can use what happens to you for uh, positively, for positive um, benefit to yourself and others. Experience is the best teacher in life. So there we go. All right. Hey, uh, Erica, man, I appreciate it. We fly uh, more time has flown by. So, <laughs> man, I, 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 we're, we're not going to be able to get into it today, but I want to get you back one day uh, later on. And I want to talk about this 500 mile Appalachian trails and everything. Yeah. Because I know that took some training and perseverance for that one. So that was an incredible adventure. I can imagine so. So, and I, I'm, a, that's one thing that I, that I wish I can get out and do more being in the wheelchairs, get out and enjoy mother, mother nature more on stuff like that. Cause I used to love being outside to do and don't yell at me other people on wheelchairs. I know there's a way you can do it, but I don't want to do it that way. So well, not to I'll say I'm that. limiting myself, but I'm too old and I don't care about going out doing it anymore. I, I will say I, that nature being out in nature for me was one of the most, was one of the keys to healing myself. Really, like that was one of the things that, uh, and I still, I think of it as like both a short-term drug and a long-term drug. It can really help you in 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 a in a in an immediate sense by just changing your perspective and breathing in fresh air and seeing the beauty of your natural surroundings. That can do wonders for your mood almost instantly, but also as a long-term strategy for for being resilient and just getting through the everyday difficulties of life i make a point of getting nature time in because it's because i just know from experience how incredibly restorative it is so i encourage you james uh, in whatever fashion you you can to do it <laughs> i would uh, the uh, i got a friend that he used to go down to alabama to go mm-hmm. hunting and out in their woods wherever he goes hunting there's actually trails asphalt so the wheelchairs can yeah, get around accessible yeah yeah accessible for that so they may be what i have to do because i don't know if there's anything like that in tennessee so i may have to go do that but there is a walking trail that i could do walk my service dog ricardo with and we'll get out on that to go get a little bit of mother nature but yeah, yeah let I, him be I, your I, excuse I, let him be your excuse to do it right because he'll love it oh exactly oh yes 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 except for the time he wanted to chase that skunk I'm glad I had a good host on it. So, all right, Eric, we're going to move on now from here, but I appreciate you coming on and sharing with us. Hey, give us uh, your social media, your website, stuff for people yeah. to find you and find your course and, okay. uh, and, and from there. Uh, yeah, the best way to... F- get uh, find me in general and find everything is just to go to my website which is my name which is spelled out for you right there on the screen eric teplitz put it all together as one word ericteplitz.com and you can find everything from there and you can you can reach me through there i do personal coaching you can um, access all kinds of free resources on there and and the course that i mentioned opening to greater possibilities you can do a, a, a you can get a free preview of the course if you sign up uh, by going to that website. All right, Eric. And uh, for the ones that are listening on the podcast, again, spell his name is E-R-I-C-T-E-P. So the L-I-T-Z. And I will put these links in the show notes for people to make it easier for them to click on it and get there quicker. So, all right, Eric, man, mm. this, again, it's been fun for me because of the Nashville connection yeah. here. It's been fun for me to, for that. And, and also, after you got into the talk, and my dad's from Philadelphia, huh. and then you talk about Vanderbilt. Our Vanderbilt coach left to go to Penn State. It's so such a Franklin, small world. 
Yeah, it's such so a small world. You we're all talking, connected. The more you're talking, I'm going, man, it's a good thing I got him on here, man, because uh, we're talking about a lot of uh, connecting here. All right, uh, Eric, appreciate it. Hey, one last thing I'm going to ask you, though, is um, we know people are hurting and struggling. And if you can give us a piece of advice on how they can get through today, that'd be a blessing. Yeah, I would say first and foremost, be kind to yourself. Uh, it's often difficult for us to be to give ourselves, to show ourselves the same kindness and compassion that it comes easily to us to show loved ones, to show other people, even sometimes strangers. We we can summon up incredible compassion for that for other people. And for some reason, it's easy for us to get blocked in, in giving that same kindness and compassion to ourselves. I think that's where you have to start. You have to give yourself, uh, you have to be gentle and kind and compassionate with yourself. So that, that would be like my absolute first step. Um, and, and just know that, uh, have faith in yourself, in, in life, that whatever you're going through is temporary. Everything we experience, everything is temporary and you will get through it. So, so keep persevering and do it with a lot of love and self-love. And this is another topic we can talk about another day is, isn't it pitiful? We will beat ourselves up more than the people we blame <laughs> on, on stopping us from doing whatever. And so we, we're, we're, we're the one to shut ourselves down quicker than everybody else. So, all right, Eric, thank you for coming on and everything. Thank you for sharing and giving us some powerful motivation today. Joanne, my thank pleasure. you for coming in. Joanne, uh, she was actually one of my early, 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 way before she may have been in the top 20 of one of my first 20 people that are interviewed. And so, Joanne, hmm. thank you for coming in. Hi, Everybody Joanne. else, be sure to share us out. Have uh, Get this to someone you know that can use some positive motivation. So, Thank you, everybody. Joanne, take care. We'll talk to you later, and uh, we'll go from there. Do everybody, everybody else, do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.